0: James chapter 2, please. This morning, I have the joy and the privilege of speaking on the sin of partiality. Hallelujah! (laughs) Woohoo! Oh, yes! Okay, let's have a look first at what the Word of God says. Oh, it's my phone. Excuse me. Shall I shall I see who it is? Is he thinking it's phoned a phone? Never done this before. Here we are. Okay. Someone who isn't here is okay. That was the message I wanted to get. Okay. James chapter two, verse one through to thirteen. My brothers, and also the word means brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in the good place, while you say to the poor man, Stand over there, or sit at my feet. have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor man and are not are not the rich ones. I've been practicing this so much and I fall over my words. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into the court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy. And one who has sh- to one who, shows, who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your word. What I want to do today um, is kind of paint a picture. And I'm afraid it's going to take a little bit of concentration this morning. I don't know if you've ever seen these artists. Um, you get them in northern France and so forth. And they're going to paint a picture of a yacht on the sea. And the first thing they do is they kind of paint the sky. And then they kind of paint the sea. And the last thing they do is paint the yacht. And to get this word into context, what I need to do is I need to paint a picture around it. So we can then home in on the sin of partiality. If I just stand here and say, don't do it. Um, apart from the fact that Steve's email box will overflow, <laughs> um, it's not going to be very helpful. But if we can look in the context, it will be helpful. Does anybody know what partiality means? Favoritism. Thank you. Thank you, Kay Partiality. Another word for it is favoritism. So what are we going to do? Well, there's three things I want us to do this morning. This is what I want us to remember. When the poor and shabby come into our gatherings, okay? That's what I want us to remember. I want us to firstly look up, okay? Because the starting point is always God. He is always our starting point. Secondly, I want us to look within. I want us to remember who we were without Christ Jesus in us. And now I want us to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Hi Sarah, you're all right. Woo No sugar. They're in the balcony. So look up or oh, look up, I was looking up. Look within, and thirdly, look around. Because then we'll have the correct perspective and motivation to obey the scriptures. So we try that. Everybody would like to look up? Look up. Look up. Very nice thing. Look inside, oh dear. Look around. It's a scary bit. These lovely, blood-washed saints of God. Hallelujah. So firstly, what does it say in chapter 2? verse? I'm not going through this verse by verse, so don't panic. Don't want the beef to burn. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Who is it that we serve? Lord of glory. Very good. So this this is the important point, you see. It is not just Jesus. He is not just Jesus Christ. He is not just the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. That has to be our motivation that has to be our drive, not a list of do's and don'ts. He is the Lord of glory. Now, if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 17, as I start painting it a bit of sky here. Peter, James and John have been walking with Jesus and they suddenly had a glimpse of Jesus, the Lord of glory. So let me read to you Matthew 17, <clears throat> one to eight. If you want a bit of homework, read the chapter before and get some context. There isn't time, but uh, my goodness, it does not put it in context. So chapter 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared with them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, in a right flap, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright light, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, Wow, this must have been something. This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. You bet they were. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. Now Jesus was transfigured before his disciples in this one stunning glimpse in history. The veil was lifted and the disciples suddenly saw who Jesus truly was. Not just their friend, not just the man who healed, but he was glorious, glorious. They had an encounter with the heavenly humility of Jesus. That's amazing. The word glory in this passage actually means Jesus Christ who is the glory. He is the very essence of God. You may remember last year we were looking at Colossians. Do you remember that? About Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of God's nature. You want to stick something on the fridge, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. It's all about Jesus. He is the exact representation of God's nature. If we then move to 2 Peter, that's near the back of your Bibles. quite hard to find. Near the back, just before Revelation and John. And Peter just gives us this briefest insight into that encounter that he saw Jesus have with his Heavenly Father. It's in 2 Peter, chapter 1, Verses 16 to 19. This is what Peter says. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received glory and honour from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son, with whom... I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. So important to pay attention to the words of God and the words of Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, and he said, he said, The gospel of glory of the blessed God which has been entrusted to us. He knew it wasn't just a gospel, not just good news. It is a gospel of glory. The final scripture looking at this is in Psalm 113. And it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all the nations and his glory above the heavens. That helps when you pray for the world as well. The focus is the Lord. He is glorious. He is above the nations. He is a glorious God. And yet we're instructed in verse 1 to hold the faith. Hold the faith. Don't set your mind on good works or efforts or what we've got to do right. But hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour? He could be Lord of your life. He could be Lord. All you simply have to do is say, Jesus... I am sin as well as the bad things I've done wrong. Lord, would you forgive me? Could I come and be part of your family? And Jesus can come and live in you. It's pretty simple. It's complex, but it's very simple. You can know Jesus today. You do not have to leave here today without knowing Jesus and starting a very exciting and interesting life with him and an eternal life with him too. So, the first thing we do, remember... It's about reacting to the poor and shabby who come into our gatherings. We look up. Next thing we do, we look within. You see, an encounter with God demands a response. When Jesus spoke to people, it demanded a response. We can't just say, stand here and say, oh, well, God says we mustn't do it, so therefore we mustn't do it. It demands a response. But response doesn't come out of guilt or religion. It comes out of encounter. When you have met with God, whether that's in a quiet way, quietly, whether it was a a more radical, visual, or whatever encounter, we need to meet with God because out of encounter comes our actions. If I just say, oh, I'll come help Derek every week because I really ought to help because I feel I ought to and I mustn't let you down, that's okay. But if you meet with Jesus, it's kind of, I love Jesus. And I want to serve him. And here's an opportunity to go out on a wet Monday evening and help with the young people. Because it will have eternal... It will be... It's it's their eternal destiny is at stake. Don't be drawn by the guilt. Be drawn from your encounter with Jesus. Jesus, I love you. I feel inadequate. But with your strength, you can help me to serve the young people with Derek. It comes out of encounter. Not out of man-made religion... That it comes from God's strength. He is the God of glory. In, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen in his defense, he says, he says, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham in Mesopotamia, who was Abraham. He was just a man that God chose. Why? He just did, because that is the grace and the kindness of God. It wasn't built on Abraham's righteousness, on anything Abraham had done, or Abraham as he was called then. He was probably a worshipper of idols. But God chose him. It was divinely chosen. None of us can stand before God in our own righteousness, in any of our good works. Well, I've helped Derek for five years now and his young people. Counts for nothing because we all sin before God. We cannot stand in our own righteousness, but he clothes us in his righteousness when we follow Jesus. Every fibre of our being from when we were born was against God. There was nothing good in us. The Bible tells us that. But God in his mercy and his forgiveness and through all that Jesus has achieved has drawn us into his family. So when we look within, we can see the But also Jesus has taken that away. And it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We can't obey him in our own strength, but we can obey him in the strength that he gives. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For all of our good intentions, it is only the Spirit of the living God that can transform our hearts. So we look up, we look inside. So we've painted the sea. In the sky now let's paint the pretty yacht thirdly look around look around this is the crunch this is the crunch part our attitude to the poor but remember our response comes out of the fact that he is the lord of glory and we stand in the righteousness that jesus christ has achieved for us did you know that god loves the poor yeah he does isn't he god god he loves the rich as well actually but he loves the poor the poor are very close to the heart of god the the bible tells us that it was usually the poor that came to jesus jesus didn't wasn't born in a palace he was born in a manger wasn't he 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 he, he came amongst the ordinary poor it says in the bible that the common people heard him gladly I like that been common myself you know what I mean London boy coming through the common people heard him gladly and as I was preparing this there's a couple of things that really highlighted to me and this is one of the things that highlighted to me I think God's saying it to me but maybe he might just prick your heart with this as well because Jesus was constantly going around doing good he said he healed all those who were oppressed the devil he was ministering and caring to the poor who came across his path. And here's the rub. This is the bit that I find difficult, okay? The poor were not an inconvenient, let's get this right, interruption to Jesus' ministry. They were a core part of his ministry. Yeah. That's a tough one. They were not an inconvenient, inconvenience, inconvenient, inconvenience? Interruption. Oh, they're nuisance. He welcomed them. They were a core part of his ministry. One time he was teaching people all day, maybe for many days, and the people were hungry. Hallelujah. Anybody here hungry, come to the front. Okay, no, don't. <laughs> I'll get run over. <laughs> but Jesus ministered to people and they were hungry. So he gave them food. He used his disciples to do it. He cared the poor. He cared for the needy. Now, there are many examples, and I've got to be careful here, so I don't want to go too far over the line. But there are many areas in which people are poor, financially, socially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. People are poor. But in this scripture, which we're looking at, James is homing in specifically on the poor and shabby who come into your gathering? don't know why I'm laughing. It's desperate, isn't it? And that's the challenge. Now, James doesn't comment on how the people got into that state. He doesn't say to them, well, when the poor come into your meeting, you must give them extra counselling or make sure you invite them for dinner. Uh, uh, no, he says, he says that we should make no distinction between the poor and the well-to-do. We should make no distinction. Because God loves mankind, and yet we, I, can quickly make judgments on people based on what we see, on the external. You sometimes see um, politicians on their day off, if there's a disaster, like David Cameron, didn't he? he went down to the place where there was a flood, and he was sort of in an old T-shirt and, and jeans. Uh, uh, and if you saw him walking down the street, you think, oh, it's just some bloke. He's the Prime Minister. <laughs> so. I can quickly make judgments on how people dress or how people look, but the heart of the gospel is that we don't do that. We are all made in God's image. Because before God, all mankind is lost. We are all lost because, without Jesus. Romans three, twenty three says, All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We were singing that this morning, weren't we? We were seeing, oh, just amazing. And yet God, in his great love and his great mercy, has made a way for us. Without Jesus, whether rich or poor, we are lost. We need Jesus, the advocate, whether poor or rich, because he is the only way to God the Father. So caring for the poor, it's a cornerstone for us. It's a calling for us as a church locally, nationally, and, of course, internationally. Paul in Galatians 2. I like Paul because he always seemed to have the ump. He always seemed to be a little bit kind of touchy. And uh, he was adamant about caring for the poor. They said, oh Paul, you're doing this, you're doing that, and, but don't forget the poor. He said, but that was the one thing. I know, I want to care for the poor. Again, the poor weren't an interruption to his ministry. They're an integral part of what God was doing for him. The book of Acts, we read about astonishing miracles. Signs, wonders, people raised from the dead, incredible healings, thousands getting saved. And what happens in the midst of that? In Acts 11, suddenly someone prophesies there's going to be a terrible famine. And the leaders don't say, well, we, we, we need to have more meetings to, to, to heal sick and we need to raise more people from the dead. No, they make provision. They say, guys, let's give. Let's support our brothers and sisters in need. They cared For the poor. It was part of the very DNA of the church, and I believe it's part of the DNA of us as a church. Look at food bank, prison ministry, our desire to get involved with CAP as and when resources allow. The poor are not a distraction from the gospel, they are a core part of the gospel. What we are called to do, to tell people the good news of Jesus. So as we grow, here an Amen, sort of squeak out there, as we grow, let's remember the poor because the poor are a core part of our calling. It's part of our DNA as a church here, as I've said. And God loves to demonstrate the fact that he loves the poor. And to do that, he's going to use us. Not just the leaders, but us. We read Psalm 113 a little bit earlier about praise the Lord. Oh, he's so wonderful. From the rising of the sun, the going down of the same. Great song. <laughs> the name of the Lord is to be praised. But what does it go on to say in that Psalm? Verse seven, it says, he raises the poor from the dust and the needy from the ash heap. It's not just glory. didn't know whether to play the guitar or the piano then. <laughs> it's not just glory, but it's, Glory kind of in action. God showing his love, you know, praise the Lord. Lord, from the rising of the sun to the setting, your name is to be praised. And the outworking of that glory is we care for the poor. It's a challenge. Did you know that the poor are chosen to be heirs, co heirs, to inherit God's kingdom? God's going to draw the poor into us as a church as we meet. And as we gather, we're going to encounter people. People on Green Hill are going to encounter the Lord of Glory. Isn't that great? Do you actually, I wonder, don't answer it. I wonder if you actually believe that. I wonder if I actually believe that. Talking to our daughter yesterday, and uh, she was talking about a friend of hers from many years ago. You know, you pray for your school friends and so forth. And our daughter said to us, God just spoke to her direct." Here was a girl listening to her music, playing on her computer, going out, nothing nothing major. And God just spoke to her. She started going to church. Now she's still on her journey and there's been a lot in between. But God just spoke to her. Yes, let's drop our leaflets around. Yes, let's be care let's be kind to people. But the God of glory can just reveal himself. Look in the local paper this week, people in Green Hill have been in problems, trouble. Issues. They could meet with the Lord of glory. They're poor. How exciting is that? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Because God loves to add people that the world has rejected. Now I can have a show of hands here. How many people in this room in their life have felt rejected? Yeah. I can, yeah. We have done, haven't we? And it's a tough one. But God brings the lonely into families and the good news haha, is that we're that family oh goody 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 <laughs> so it's about having our hearts prepared because god paid a most incredible price when that unity of father son and holy spirit was broken that jesus could pay the price for us on calvary's tree as we heard redemption great old words stunning truths So just wrap this up now. I wonder whose strength I and we are walking our Christian life in. In in whose strength are we walking? Do Do I reach out to the poor through guilt, through a religious feeling that I ought to to be seen by others for doing my bit? Yes, probably sometimes. Truth. Do our bit. And yes, God changes our heart. We can reach out to people because we can see what, who he is, what he's done in us. And the fact he wants to bring others into his family. Another thing that I'd like you to think about this week. And that is that Peter, James and John went up on the mountain. And they saw Jesus transfigured before him. They'd seen Jesus raise the dead. They'd seen miracles. Peter had even had the devil speak through him as such. In the chapter before But suddenly their eyes were opened to see this Jesus that they were walking with. And I look around and I see many, many friends here. I kind of wish I was in my living room now. I say, wouldn't it be exciting if God just drew the veil back and we actually saw this Jesus, we proclaim. Not so we all live on a cloud and we're completely freaky and weird. But wouldn't it be amazing if just walking around Morrison's tomorrow and suddenly you get to the You get to the fruit counter and suddenly you just eyes open. It's Jesus, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Driving into the car park at Sainsbury's and suddenly this overwhelming sense of He loves me. I was rotten and He loves me. Walking to NatWest Bank in Whitstable and suddenly get this overwhelming feeling. I'm adopted in God's family. We've been walking with Jesus. I've been walking with Jesus nearly nearly 50 years now. I wonder what it would be like for if God was to draw back that veil I could see. If we could see the Lord of glory. I think we would... My heart would be different towards the needs that I came across, I know. Have you caught a glimpse of his glory? Because Paul, in Acts 26, he's telling King Agrippa about how he was serving God. Um, he, he was... Imprisoning Christians. He felt he was doing the right thing. We've got to get rid of these awful Christians. But then he had an encounter with God and it radically changed his viewpoint. He thought he knew God. I think I know God. I don't know God. <sighs> he had a radical encounter with Jesus. It changed his focus, his lifestyle, his whole outlook on life, and his actions. Lord, would, could you trust us to show us a bit more of you, of your glory? that we could see this God that we're dealing with? I find it a struggle. You know, as, as many of you know, I've, I've worked in, in the so, so-called care industry for decades. I find it very difficult because I know how some people got into that situation. And the middle-class person, me thinks, well, if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be in that situation. It's very hard. Let's be honest. But God doesn't ask us to consider how they got into that situation. He just says... Don't make a distinction. Don't show favoritism. It's a tough one. I find it a tough one. But no matter how people got to where they got to, there but for the grace of God go I. (laughs) God is such a gracious God. He loves the poor. No matter how they got there, he goes and goes again. Even we go back to the good old cross and the switchblade. You know, how many of us here got saved or got excited about God in the 70s because we saw that film? Here was Wilkinson, and he just showed love and trust in Nicky Cruz. Even when he abused that trust, he trusted him. And that's what God did for me. That's what he's done for us. That's why I have no right to judge between the rich and the poor. Because before God, we all stand lost. And yet we are all redeemed when we ask Jesus to become our Lord and Saviour. Change my heart, O God. Give me the grace. And the passion to welcome the poor and the rich and to see your kingdom extended. So, what do we need to do? It says here, my brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. When people come, and they will, that's the exciting thing. James doesn't say, if the poor man comes, it's, they're coming. people are going to come with needs and all sorts of issues. Firstly, first brother, it's kind of, Lord, you are the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. You're the one we worship. You know, we sang Jesus, she'll take the highest honour. It was good singing that, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. And it's so true, and it felt so good. He will take the highest honour and we want others to know that he'll take the highest honour. But the outworking of seeing his glory is I look inside and I know that without Jesus, I was lost. It's only God's amazing grace that allows me and allows us to stand before him and go, Jesus shall take the highest honour. Only because in his grace, he revealed himself to us. And finally, we look around, set our mind to welcome the poor. Even if it gets a bit messy, and a bit untidy I don't find it easy L plates but let's ask God to give us the strength we've had the prophecies about having babies about the fact it's messy and untidy I find that that's something that sits quite uncomfortably with me but it's Lord change my heart that we would grow look up look inside look around and let's ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit that we can have the strength to act on the truth of his word. Shall we pray, and then I'll just hand back to Steve. Father God, we want to thank you that you are an amazing God, that you are the Lord of glory. You are a glorious, magnificent Lord. And Father, we pray, soften our hearts, Lord. Help us, to to act on your word. Give us the grace and strength, Lord, as we face the various challenges as a church. And Lord, we pray that you would bring the poor, bring the shabby, bring the rich, Lord, and that, Father, as a body, we would not show partiality. Father, fill us and refresh us with your spirit that we can truly be the body of Christ and reflect you. Amen. Steve.